listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. We're going to jump into this. Um, This is such a vital message. I'm telling you, this, what I'm getting ready to show you today is such a vital message. If you want to receive the increase God has for you, impartation, which that's what the new, uh, Robert did screenshots, um, that powerful confession. If you want it, type it up and email it, Jenna at miracleword.com. If you want to get that confession of Brian's, Jenna said she will type it up and she will email it to you. You can send your request to Jenna at miracleword.com. Um, God moved on my heart and I know I've been too slow about it. Good morning, Samson. I know I've been too slow about it. I've been working with so many other things happening and God has so increased our ministry that we're literally running to keep up with the vision. And we started, if you remember, if you were joining us on broadcast back in March of this year, you'll remember that my my wife and I started confessing that there's going to be such a rapid increase in our lives and ministries that we would have to run to keep up with the vision. And we were confessing that over you and over us. But we didn't realize how, I mean, it's so funny because you have one thing in your mind, but God so quickly answered those prayers and confessions that through the entire year this year, we've been running to keep up with the blessing of God and the vision of God and the increase of heaven. Good morning, Caleb. And so there's been so much happening and so many open doors that I haven't had the time that I, that I wanted to, but we're, especially in December, taking time to finish this because it's so important, but God laid this message of impartation on my heart. And the reason I believe is because so many people, even Pentecostal people, no longer believe in the power of impartation. And some will tell you it does not exist in the New Testament church. And if you're kind of foreign to what I'm talking about, and and people may say, you know, what, what um, (laughs) what is impartation? It's simply... When somebody bestows upon you or gives you something that you did not have before. Impartation is when somebody gives you something or endows you with something that you did not have before. I'm imparting it to you. I'm imparting it to you. Um, Let me give you just a quick story that I used in the book to give the example of what impartation is and how it works. And the reason that the book is called Further Faster is because one time we were in the pool, my, my kids and I, my daughter Madeline is the oldest, Brooklyn is the middle child, she's the youngest daughter. And so there's about three years or so between them, and um, Maddie and Brooklyn are both very competitive. And so we're in the pool, and Maddie loves to race, and Brooklyn likes to race, and so they wanted to race, but of course, especially at that time, they were even younger than they are now, uh, and, and Maddie just had a clear physical advantage and so she doesn't let up. Maddie's so competitive, she's just not going to let her sister uh, win for the sake of winning. And so she'll beat her every time because she's that competitive. And so Brooklyn finally is to the place of, you know, on the verge of tears. You know, Daddy, I can't win. She won't let me. And I said, well, let's do it one more time. Let's race one more time. And so Maddie's already, you know, and she's she's all ready to go. And so she lines up in the pool. And uh, I said, all right, let's do this. And uh, I wink at Brooklyn. And she knows that, you know, she realizes I'm going to help her. And uh, so I come and get behind Brooklyn. I, I start, all right, ready, set, go. When I said go, Maddie jumps out forward and starts swimming underwater, kicking with everything she's got. And she's already going down uh, the length of the pool. Well, I grab Brooklyn in my arms and I throw Brooklyn way out in the pool, way past Maddie. And she splashes in the water, starts swimming with all, with all her might. And then, you know, Maddie's still underwater, so she doesn't even know what's happening. So when she comes up out of the water and sees Brooklyn ahead of her, I don't, she, she couldn't figure out what was going on. Now she's trying to swim even harder. Brooklyn was too far ahead of her and finally got to the end of the pool and touched the wall and won the race. Finally, Maddie realized what I did and she looked back and she's like, Daddy, you know, she's like, I cheated. But that's impartation. See, Brooklyn, in and of herself, did not have the strength to win the race. But when dad got behind her, what did I do? I imparted 
strength into Brooklyn that she didn't have of her in and of herself. So when I launched her, she was able to go further, faster than she would on her own. Why? Because she was able to partake of imparted strength that I delivered into her body. And when I threw her out past her sister, then I was actually giving her my strength in that race. And that's what impartation is. It is when somebody who's operating at a higher level than you is able to give you or impart to you a strength in the anointing in the with wisdom or knowledge, whatever it may be, that you did not have before. And it's how God operates to bring us into victory. And it's something that God instituted and God brought about in his word and through his men and women. And that's what you see like with Elijah and Elisha. Elisha received impartation from Elijah. He got a double portion of Elijah's spirit. And the Bible says all of the other prophets saw it happen. And when Elisha came back across the Jordan River, after Elijah had been taken up into heaven with a chariot of fire, from a far way away, all the prophets said, surely the spirit of Elijah rests upon Elisha. They saw it from far away. They knew impartation had taken place. And then Elisha went on to perform double the number of miracles that Elijah performed. And that's what happens, is that you can receive imparted strength and anointing from those that have gone before you. And that's why it's important to have people in your life that can impart to you. And that's what we're missing in our generation so many times, is that nobody wants to receive instruction or correction. Everybody wants to be a lone ranger in the body of Christ, but that's not how God designed you to live. He designed you to receive instruction and impartation and strength and power so that every generation of believer does not have to start at the ground level, that you can begin where those who went before you left off. You can begin from where they left off. I find it interesting that when Moses imparted to Joshua in the book of Deuteronomy, um, Moses had already, with the help of God, delivered God's people from slavery in Egypt. And now they were in the wilderness. Well, when Joshua took over as the leader of Israel, he didn't have to start and then go back to Egypt and bring them out again and then go through the whole process again. That would have been a waste of time. No, he was able to start from right where Moses left off and continue what God planned to do with his people. And that's the same today. We shouldn't go generation to generation having to start at the ground level and then start, you know, imagine if that was true in science, how frustrating, where would we even be if at the end of every scientist's life, they burned all their research and all their documents and all their knowledge went to the grave with them. And then every new generation of scientists had to learn everything over again. We'd still be in the dark ages. No, what's happening is that in every generation, scientists are building on the knowledge and research of previous scientists so that we don't have to just stay. I mean, I use this uh, description in the book that, yes, Apple invented and created the iPhone, which was a revolutionary product for the world, you know. But understand that iPhone is actually a combination of many other technologies that Apple did not invent. You know, Apple didn't invent the microchip. And they didn't invent the ability to mine and refine glass and aluminum. You know, all these things. Apple did not invent cellular technology, nor did they invent touchscreens. So all of these other developments that went before them, they're building on the shoulders of giants. And they were able to take what others had done before and combine those things to do something even greater with that imparted knowledge and wisdom. It's the same in the body of Christ that those that went before us paid a price, they were faithful, they developed to a certain level, but revelation is progressive. Revelation is progressive. That's one thing I want you to write in the comments, every person that's watching. I want you to put it down. Revelation is progressive. Revelation is progressive. Every generation should have a greater understanding than the last. Every generation should be able to operate at a greater strength and anointing and power than the past. It's what Elisha did. And then Jesus said that to his disciples. 
He said, the works that I do, you will do also. And greater works than these will you do because I'm going to be with my father in heaven. That's, that's found in John 14, 12. So you understand Revelation's progressive. We should keep getting greater and greater and greater and greater. Every generation should operate at a higher level than the previous generation did. <clears throat> That's God's plan. <clears throat> and he does that by the power of impartation. I thank God. You know, let me give you an example. It's so wonderful to me that, you know, you think of a man, and, and those of you that watch my broadcast, I'm sure you'll be familiar with this man who's already gone to heaven, Brother Kenneth Hagin. I'm so thankful that Brother Kenneth Hagin not only spent 60 plus years teaching faith and teaching the word, many of those teachings, which are still available in audio and video form, thank God that he did that and thank God they recorded those teachings, but also thank God that he was willing to write and release books of those revelations and those teachings. Take, for example, one, just one of his books. Take, for example, his book, The Authority of the Believer. And what that did for that generation that went before us, how it changed the world, how many uh, languages has that book been translated into and how many nations has it touched and shaken to bring the understanding that every believer has authority over the devil, that you can walk in supernatural authority every day of your life. Thank God that that wasn't just a, a, a message he preached one time. I mean, thank God that that wasn't just a revelation he got from God in personal prayer one time, and that's where it ended. Thank God that he had the faith to put that, and the wisdom, to put that into book form and to release it for generations to come. Thank God that books like Healing the Sick by T.L. Osborne were not just a message he preached one time or an idea he got in prayer and just kept it in his spirit. Thank God it's something he released for the body of Christ that permeated the body of Christ and brought understanding about healing and how you can operate in healing. So what happens? Now think about this. So what happens? That over 60 years of faithfulness, prayer, I mean, he, Brother Hagin died at the age of 80, 80, 86 years old, but 60 plus years in the ministry, all those years of faithfulness, prayer, you know, his own son testified. There'd be many nights that Brother, Brother Hagin would be sitting at his desk with his Bible and a cup of coffee, uh, and, and he'd be studying and praying. And, and Kenneth Hagin Jr. would go to sleep, and he'd wake up in the morning, and Brother Hagin would be still in the same position, Bible open, cup of coffee, praying, still in the same position, did it through the night. Well, all those years of faithfulness, all those years of prayer and fasting and study and, 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 and honor, you know, all those years that he built up and received things from God. I have to ask you a question. Aren't you glad? Aren't you thankful that you don't have to take 60 years to receive what he received over 60 years? Aren't you glad to know that all of the things that he received from the Lord, many of them he was able to put into specific book form. Understanding the anointing. That's a book Brother Hagin released. Understanding the anointing. Think how many years it may have taken him to get an understanding of the anointing to the point where he finally understood it to the place he could teach it to others. Think of, even if it was 20 years, I mean, think about this. Even if it was 20 years that it took him to gain that understanding of the anointing and how it operates and functions in the life of a believer or a five-fold ministry gift, that you literally could now just take the book that he wrote of all those years of faithfulness and understanding and study and prayer, and he was able to put that into, what, 200 pages. And now, instead of you taking 20 years to understand the anointing, you can study what a man who took 20 years to study it learned and sit down and within a couple of weeks or however quickly you read books can re receive that wisdom, impartation, and knowledge. So understand that it's a wonderful thing that we don't have to start at the ground level every single time we have a new generation. What a waste of time that would be for the body of Christ. And God's not foolish. And God is, is not somebody who's wasting time. He actually encouraged us to not waste our time. 
And Jesus said, listen, we've got to get John 9, 4. We've got to work the works of him who sent me while it's yet day. For the night is coming where no man can work. So what was Jesus doing? Jesus was encouraging his disciples with urgency. We've got to get to work and do what we're called to do, not sit around and be lazy. So, you know, if God is encouraging us to not just be diligent, but to do things properly and to do things uh, in a way that brings expedited increase in results, then God himself is not lazy or, or foolish. He's the author of wisdom. He is wisdom. So what does he do? He wants to operate in his body in such a way that we don't lose time, that we don't waste time, that we can make the most of the of these days that we're living in. Because the Bible says the days are evil. And so I love how the Bible says it, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. So that's the key. You make the most of every opportunity. Impartation gives you the power to make the most of every opportunity. So you don't have to go and redo what everybody else has done. You can continue to move forward in power, but you can only get there. Now, here's where we're going. You can only get to that place if you're humble enough, if you're meek enough to receive correction, direction, instruction, and impartation. If you're willing to receive correction, direction, instruction, and impartation. You're only going to receive that power if you're humble enough. And I want you to write those things. I want you to write this. I must be humble enough to receive correction, direction, instruction, and impartation. Prideful people can never receive impartation. Never. Never. People that are haughty, that think more of themselves than they should, they can never receive impartation. Because those types of people think they've got it all figured out. They think they've got everything figured out and that there's nothing that they need to learn, nothing that they need to know. And so what do they do? They miss out on the instruction and impartation that would bring them to a higher level. And that's a mistake. That's why the Bible says that God opposes the proud, but gives more grace or favor to the humble. He gives more grace or more favor to the humble but he resists. He literally opposes the proud. I don't want God opposing me. I don't want God resisting me. There it is. Thank you, Lisa and Rick. Correction, direction, instruction, and impartation takes humility. That's right. That's exactly right. And it's what we need. We've got to have it if we're going to move forward. God says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, Matthew 5, 5. So there is a, an inheritance that's linked directly to meekness. That's humility. By the way, meekness is not weakness. It's a supernatural strength. People think if you're meek, it's because you're weak. No, Jesus was meek, the Bible says, but he wasn't weak. He was strong. He was strong, literally create, he, he went out and built his own whip, came back into the temple and beat full grown men out of the temple and flipped their tables over. He was not weak, but he was meek. He was humble. Jesus was humble and he was meek. And so he, that's why we have to be the same as our master. We've got to be humble and we've got to be meek. And if we are, we can receive correction, direction, instruction, and impartation. And so I wanted to deal with something today with, the, with, this, with this broadcast. And by the way, if you've not shared this, you've got to share it. I mean, this is something that the body of Christ as a whole needs to hear. As a whole. And it's this thought, which is so, it's so needed. And, and, and I want you to write it in the comments. This phrase, internal honor. I want you to write that in the comments section. Internal honor. This is the foundation for all impartation. It is the number one step. And in the book, I'm going to give you seven or eight steps that the Lord showed me that will actually bring us into supernatural impartation. But this is foundational. This is what I'm getting ready to show you right now. It must be in place. Internal honor. Internal. It has to be inside you. Internal honor.
internal honor. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that and why it's the foundation. You cannot receive impartation from any person that you do not honor internally, not externally. And I'm going to explain why I say that in just a moment. It's got to be internal, not just external. And I'm going to show you what I mean. And I want to start with the verse of scripture that's found in the book of Isaiah chapter 29. So if you do have your Bible with you, I want you to open it up with me to, uh, to Isaiah 29, because I do want to show you this. And this is the basis of what we're, what we're talking about. This is the foundational scripture of this thought process. And this is, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, but listen to what the Bible says about, and, and actually this is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. Listen to this. And so the Lord says, these people say they're mine and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me and their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules. Think about that. That's Isaiah 29 and verse 13. Isaiah 29 and verse 13 in the New Living Translation. The Lord says, these people say they're mine. They say they belong to me, but they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules. That's why in the New Testament, uh, that's condemned. The Bible says that people, they have a, a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. And the Bible tells us when you find people like that, turn away from them. Don't engage with them. Don't fellowship with them. Don't become friends with them. Don't get involved with them. People who have a form of godliness, but deny the power of God. And in the Old Testament, God said that their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules. And so the point God's trying to make here is that there are people who are trying to act like they honor God. And so outwardly, outwardly, they speak with their mouth. Outwardly, they say the right things. Oh, yes, brother, I love the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Isn't he wonderful? They honor God with their lips. But notice what God said, because the Bible says, man is the one who looks on the outward, but God is the one who looks on the heart. Man looks on the outward, but God looks on the heart. And so the Bible says God was looking at their hearts, not their lips. And the Bible says their hearts were far from God, but their lips were honoring him. And, and the Bible says it meant nothing to God. He didn't care at all. And if you keep on reading down through that chapter, God starts to say what he's going to do with those people. I'm going to come down and perform wonders among them, and I'm going to take away the wisdom of their wise men and the discernment of their, of their discerning men. I mean, he, start, he starts talking about the, the judgment that's going to come for that type of a lifestyle. And so honor has to be internal, has to start with your heart, and has to exist in your heart. Why? Well, if you start to look at um, you know, what, what the Bible's really dealing with, and if you've seen this, you've, you've seen these scriptures before, but understand this, and this, by the way, this even happened in the life of Jesus, if you didn't know that. Do you realize that this kind of um, dishonor literally stopped Jesus from being able to move on the earth? And that blows people's minds because, you know, they're like, well, he was the son of God. You know, he had the spirit without measure. He was, he was powerful. He was the Messiah. He was the Christ. It didn't matter. The dishonor of people around him kept him from moving in the supernatural in their lives. And I'll read that to you from Mark chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Mark chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, listen to this. Jesus said, now, now he, let me give you some uh, background here. He went into his hometown, Nazareth, expecting to perform mighty miracles in his hometown. But look what happened. The Bible says he could not do any mighty work there. So let me read it to you. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. You see that? 
So literally, Jesus went into his hometown with the desire of performing mighty miracles. But notice what he said. He said his own relatives and his own um, people in his own country dishonored him. And because of their dishonor, the Bible says it short-circuited his miracle-working power. What happened? They had an internal dishonor of Jesus Christ and who he was. In fact, I'll show you this. If you go through the Bible, people call him, you know, Jesus of Nazareth, and they look at him, isn't this Mary's son? You know, you read even this story. We know this man. I mean, go to it. Mark chapter 6. We know who he is. Isn't this Mary and Joseph's son? You know, isn't this the carpenter? Look at this. The Bible says, I'm going to read, I'm going to read, I'm going to read to you from, um, I'm going to read to you from verses one through, through where we just were at. He went away from there and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were astonished saying, check this out. Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And that's what, what happens right before what I read to you, verses 4 and 5. That's verses 1 through 3. And they said, isn't this Jesus? Isn't this Jesus of Nazareth? Isn't this Joseph and Mary's son? You know what they're saying? Because everybody knew the story. You know, Mary got pregnant before she was ever married to Joseph or ever with Joseph. So you know what they're actually saying about Jesus? Isn't this the bastard son of, of Mary that nobody knows who his father is? That Joseph tried to cover up the story, but we all know that she was pregnant and gave birth before they were ever married, you know? And so they, they looked at him in a very disrespectful, dishonoring way, and that's what caused Jesus to say, a prophet has honor everywhere except in his own country and among his own relatives and among his own people. And so, so understand that. It, it's, you know, Matt, the answer to that question, in my opinion, is you never stop loving people. You don't just cut people off or cut. But as the Bible says, I don't cast my pearls before swine, meaning there are things that I believe that are holy. There are things that I believe that are, you know, that are based on my faith. And if there's people that dishonor that stuff, I'm not going to share those things with them. I'm not going to share those. I don't need people, especially if I'm believing for a miracle, believing for the supernatural to take place in my family. I'm not going to share all those things with people that don't even care about it or those that say it's impossible or those that don't even believe in it. And so, you know, you're kind to your family. You're not cutting them out of your life. But at the same time, I'm not going to have the same fellowship with them that I would with a fellow believer who believes what I'm believing for and has in, is in unity with me. So you have to be very careful to continue to walk in love, but at the same time have a, an understanding that I can't just share everything with everybody. You know, Joseph couldn't share everything with everybody. His own family hated the visions and dreams God gave him and wanted to kill him because of those visions and dreams. So the lesson there is you don't tell everything you know, you don't share everything you have with every other person, family or not. And so look at Jesus. Jesus could not even do mighty works in his own hometown because of their unbelief and their dishonor. You go on further, well, why is this the case? The reason that this is the case is because, and this is this is going to be this is what I really had the Lord show me that was like, if you don't have this, there there will be. And let me just say it this way: there will only be so long that you can honor somebody externally if you're not honoring them internally. There will only be so long that you can honor somebody externally if you're not honoring them internally. And here's why. Because I wrote this down. Why does why does internal mat, internal honor matter as long as I take actions of honor uh, and speak honorably? And the reason is because what we'll we'll call this manufactured honor is because if it doesn't originate from your heart, if it's not really the way you feel internally, it can only last so long, and it will literally disappear and no longer be a part of your life. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs four twenty three. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. You see that? The, the writer of Proverbs said that. 
above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So what does that mean? If you've got a, a, a pastor, a man of God, a woman of God that you're trying to receive from, if you've got a man or woman of God, a spiritual father, spiritual mother, whatever it is that they're imparting to you, they're pouring into you. If somebody comes to you and has something negative to, to say about that person who is the one that you're receiving from, don't listen to them. Don't receive what they have to say. You know, it makes me think of one time Bishop Rick Thomas was on a, a, a my, who's my pastor now, who, who was on a plane and, you know, Oral Roberts was the man that he had spent years now receiving from and, uh, you know, part of the, on, on the board with him, traveled with him, all kinds of stuff. And there were people that didn't like Brother Roberts because he was controversial even in his day. And there was a guy, they were flying on a plane and a guy saw Bishop Rick there knowing that he was kind of a son of the gospel in a way to Dr. Oral Roberts and approached him on the plane knelt down next to his seat and started to try to talk to him on the flight about, well, I, I need to tell you some things you need to know about Brother Roberts. I know you love him, but, you know, and started, started to start to try to badmouth Oral Roberts to Bishop Thomas. And he said, I'm going to stop you right there. And you've, you've got one or two choices. And he, he just kind of laid into the guy. He said, you can either go back, sit down in your seat, or I'll sit you down. I mean, literally ticked him off. Why? You don't do that. You don't do that. I'm not going to allow, why? Proverbs 4.23. I'm not going to allow some knucklehead that doesn't uh, love or appreciate the person I'm receiving impartation from come and begin to speak negatively about that person into my heart. Why? I'm guarding my heart. For everything I do flows from my heart. So if I allow my heart to be filled with negative things about the people that I'm honoring and respecting, then it, it eventually... Those seeds will go into my heart and begin to destroy the honor that I have for that man or woman. And remember this. That's why the Bible says that you're to know no man after the flesh. You're not supposed to be trying to get to know someone's flesh. You're not trying to start, supposed to be getting to know someone's carnal nature. We understand that every person is an earthen vessel that carries an eternal treasure from heaven. So yes, there is eternal treasure inside every believer, but it's being held in a carnal earthen vessel. Your body's not glorified yet. You've not had your body glorified by God. That doesn't happen till the rapture and the resurrection of the dead. So every person who carries the treasure of God carries it in an imperfect vessel. Doesn't mean that we should give in to sin, and it doesn't mean we should be okay with sin, and it doesn't mean that we should turn a blind eye to sin. It just means that you can't allow yourself to become offended or turned off by somebody's humanity when they have something spiritual to deliver into your spirit. You know, there was all kinds of men of God that were gruff, that answered people gruffly and gave people plenty of opportunities to be offended at them. But anybody who was smart, anybody who had wisdom did not allow themselves to become offended by the humanity of a man or woman of God that they wanted to receive something from. I'm sure Dr. Lester Summerall gave a lot of gruff answers to people that he dealt with. But anybody that had any wisdom understood that no matter if I like the way it comes to me or not, this man has a gift on the inside of him that I want to receive from. I refuse to let myself become offended. I refuse to let myself get out of sorts and, and all broken up over the humanity of the person. I don't want his flesh I want what's inside his spirit. I want the gift. I want what God's placed on the inside of him. So I bypass the flesh. I know no man after the flesh. I don't want that. I want the spirit of what that man has. And that's what I'm pushing forward for. So I'm not going to become offended. And I'm not going to listen to what other people have to say about the one that I'm receiving impartation from the man or woman of God, or men and women of God that God's placed into my life to receive from. Amen. And you need to be that way. If you've got somebody, if you've got a pastor, a man of God you're receiving from, a woman of God you're receiving from, if you've got somebody divisive that's trying to come speak negative to, negatively to you about your pastor, your man of God, those that minister to you, don't entertain it. Cut it off. And say, I don't want, I don't, I have no desire to hear it. I'm not going to let those seeds of dishonor 
flow into my heart and destroy my internal honor of the man of God. I refuse to let it happen. And that's because guard my heart, the Bible says, for everything I do flows from my heart, which means my honor will flow from my heart. And if I don't have it, if I don't have it, then I'm going to miss out on impartation. You go further. Listen to this. Here's another reason why you cannot just have external or what we're calling manufactured honor has to be internal. Luke chapter six and verse 45. Listen to what the Bible says. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart. So that means whatever fills your heart, that's why it's important to guard your heart. Because if you allow dishonorable things to, to fill your heart, guess what? Out of the abundance of that heart, your mouth will begin to speak. That's why I said you cannot maintain manufactured honor. It won't be maintained. Because if you're only doing it externally, but it's not how you really feel inside, eventually, how you feel inside, your eternal, your internal thoughts, your internal honor will come out of your mouth. And many people are operating with internal dishonor. So what's happening is that they've got no choice other than to speak negatively because they've allowed negative seeds to fill their heart. I'm, I'm looking now and seeing Millie Vargas that's, um, <clears throat> that's commenting. Her and her husband, Eduardo, are, uh, they, they, they came out of the river, part of, part of Dr. Rodney Howard Brown's ministry. Well, I'm sure there's people that don't care for Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. And I know there's not. I know there's people that have a hard time with him. And would try to speak against him and try to criticize him and what he does. But that's who they've received impartation from. And so I'm sure there might be people, and I'm sure there's already people in their, in their ministries that have tried to approach them. Well, I know you came out of the river, but let me tell you a few things about what I think about Dr. Ryan. Who cares what they think? Who cares what those people think? I, I refuse to listen to what you have to say and destroy my seed of honor in my heart of who I've received my impartation from. I refuse to listen to it. I refuse to receive it. Internal honor. See, she's, she's even saying, I cut it out from the very beginning. So from the very beginning, people tried to come and say, well, you know, I know you think you're doing a good thing going down there to the river, but let me tell you a few things that you, uh, that I, that you may not know about Dr. Rodney Howard. Well, let me tell you something. Who cares what they have to say? Who cares what their thoughts are? Who cares? Because you're not trying to receive from them. You're trying to receive from the man that you put yourself under in submission. It is so stupid. It, 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 to me, it is the stupidest thing people can do to literally spend their life submitted to a leader. And they've made the choice to be submitted that to, to that leader. They go, they'll go to a church. They'll be under a ministry, whatever. And they'll attend the church and literally entertain every negative thing that somebody has to say about that leader and still stay in the church, still stay submitted to that place and entertain everything they have to say and sit around and criticize the leader and criticize how they do things and criticize what they preach and criticize how they operate. It's like, why in the world are you in that church and submitted to that leader if you don't even honor him? It like blows my mind how dumb some people are. They literally will live 20 years of their life that way. Well, we go to the church, you know, but I don't really care for the church. Then why are you in it? Why do you attend it if you can't even honor the leader of the church? That blows my mind. And people are wondering why they're frustrated in their life. It's because you don't have internal honor. You've got external honor where you, from time to time, say, well, we really appreciate our pastor, praise God. And you have no internal honor. And then they're wondering why their vision's destroyed and they're, that they're frustrated in what they're doing, their purpose for God. It's because you can't, you've actually locked yourself in a prison in which you can't receive any impartation or increase further than where you are today. And it's because internal honor is not there. And you've got to have it. If you don't have, it's like I'm looking at Letty. Letty, Letty is, uh, Letty, Letty's watching from Massachusetts. And, and her pastor, and I met her there at Crossroads Community Church, her pastors, Brian and Jessica Tomes. So looking at her, well, if somebody would try to come to her 
and try to badmouth her pastors there at Crossroads Community Church. You shut it down immediately. You don't entertain it. Well, I don't know if pastor should have preached that last week. I don't appreciate how he addressed. That's why, you know, even making a point when I was there preaching, I mean, we, we had a revival there not long ago and I was with my father. And I was, I was doing an illustrated sermon. And I even picked up on it in my spirit. I knew there'd be some knucklehead in the crowd. I had Pastor Steve come forward, one of, the, one of Pastor Brian's uh, associate pastors. And I had him just kind of kneel down. And I sat in a chair and put my, my feet up on his back, uh, illustrating the, the verse of Scripture in the Bible where the Bible says, God will make your enemies your footstool. And I said it, even from the mic. I said, now, this is just an illustration. Obviously, Pastor Steve's not my enemy. I said, he's my friend. And, and you know, obviously, I'm just making an illustration for this sermon. I said, I'm sure there's going to be somebody that's offended. I can't believe they made Pastor Steve kneel down, you know. And, and he told me after the service that there was people in the lobby that said, Pastor, I just didn't appreciate how uh, Brother Ted made you kneel down like that. You're a pastor of this church. You shouldn't have to do it. It's like the exact thing that I said would happen, happened. Because there's always some idiot. Who, who doesn't honor, who doesn't even understand what God's trying to do. That's why they stay frustrated in the same place for 30 years. You know, you don't allow people to run down your leader and entertain those thoughts. Why? They go into your heart as a seed. You're not guarding your heart. Destroy the honor you have for your leader. And all of a sudden, guess what's now happened? You don't have internal honor. You have manufactured honor. And eventually, the seeds that you've allowed to be fill, filled your heart, that have filled your heart, will now produce a harvest out of your mouth and out of your actions. And you're a fool if you allow that to happen. A complete fool if you allow that to happen. Because you're not hurting your leader. You're hurting yourself. You're destroying your own increase. You're destroying your own ability to see God bless you. So we have to have internal honor without question. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now let me give you quickly, <clears throat> let me give you quickly two killers of honor and two killers of spiritual relationships. Because understand this, anybody that you're receiving uh, impartation from, you obviously have a spiritual relationship with. You have a spiritual relationship with your pastor. He's pouring into you and you're receiving. You have a spiritual relationship with him. Anybody that you feel it, that you want to receive from spiritually, you're establishing a spiritual relationship. And let me give you two killers today in this broadcast of spiritual relationships or internal honor, which every spiritual relationship has to be based on internal honor or there can be no relationship. The Bible says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? How can two walk together unless they be agreed? And so I want to give you two killers of spiritual honor or spiritual relationships. Number one, and I want you to write this down in the comments section. Number one is gossip. Number one is gossip. This is an interesting thought to me. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter. I'm going to go, I'm going to, go to it, and I'm going to, I'm going to read this to you because it, it, it'll blow your mind. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the Roman church in Italy. And in the very first chapter, listen to what he says. Now I want you to write that. The number one is, thank you, Regina. The number one is gossip. Gossip is a killer of spiritual honor and spiritual relationships, and it will cancel out impartation. Gossip, it's a killer. Let me, let me show you this. Listen to what Paul the Apostle said in his letter to the Romans. The Bible says, I'll read 28 and 29. Romans 1, 28 and 29. And since the people did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what, what ought not to be done. Now look at verse 29, and I'll go on with 30 and 31. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, they are gossips. Look at that. How crazy is that to you that Paul 
is saying that because people will not submit themselves to the power of God and do what's right, God gave them over to a, a debased mind and a carnal spirit to do what it was in their heart to do. And no, notice this, in the same breath that Paul mentions murderers, he mentions gossips. He said, because they rejected God, because they rejected God's spirit and the way of his way of doing things, God turned them over to a debased mind and they became murderers and gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heart, heartless, ruthless. He, in, in the same man, breath that he mentions all those things, he mentions gossips. Why? Because even Paul understood how demonic and dangerous gossip is. And so what happens is that when you begin to gossip, it is something that according to God's spirit, it comes out of the root of rejection of God's anointing. And gossip's a killer of spiritual honor and spiritual relationships. Listen to this. Let me show you the result of ongoing gossip according to the Bible. Proverbs 16, 28. This is the NIV. A perverse person. A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. So the devil designed gossip to bring division into the body of Christ. Think about that. The devil designed gossip to bring division from you and even your spiritual leaders to destroy honor, to destroy honor. Let me read you another one real quick. Proverbs chapter 10. Listen to this. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 18. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips. Watch this. And whoever utters slander or gossip is a fool, is a fool. So when you gossip about people, spreading things around, and, and let me tell you something. Most of the time, the things that people say about others, they don't even know whether or not they're true. They, they couldn't, let me just say this, they could not prove it in a court of law. They don't even know whether or not it's true. They don't have facts. They're saying what they heard someone else say that they heard someone else say. It's not factual. Just because you heard somebody say something about someone, that's not a fact. It's not a fact doesn't make you an authority on anything. And so what's happening, and this is going to lead me to the second killer of spiritual honor and relationships, but, but listen to this. You have to be proactive in cutting gossip out of your life, but more important, never entertaining gossip from somebody else. Listen to this. This will blow your mind. The verse of scripture in James chapter 1, verse 26. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. That's what the Bible says. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, gossip comes out of an uncontrolled tongue. An uncontrolled tongue. The Bible says you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. It's crazy. That's why the psalmist wrote this. Psalm 141, listen to this. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. What an eye-opening prayer that is. What an eye-opening prayer. Lord, set a guard over my mouth and keep watch over the door of my lips. David wanted that. He was a man after God's own heart, and that's what he wanted. Don't let me speak and say crazy things. The second is bearing false witness, which is lying about someone else. And I want to show you this because it's, it's a slippery slope that people don't ever see <clears throat> that you can literally slide from gossip right into false witness. You can slide right in without even knowing it. And I'm going to show you how. Is because as I said a moment ago, obviously bearing false witness against your neighbor is, a, is one of the, you know, you're breaking one of the 10, the 10 commandments that God gave the people in the Old Testament. Thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor. You should not lie about your neighbor. And so you can, you can easily slip into bearing false witness or lying about somebody from gossip. 
And, and, and it says, as how I said it before, people are just repeating things that they heard other people say that they don't even know if it's true or not. Well, you know, I heard so-and-so say that, he, that so-and-so told him that this is what happened. You know, I can't believe it. You know, and then they go on, I heard so-and-so say, and she was around so-and-so who said that this person told them that this is what they, they did. And I can't believe, you know, what are they doing? It's not even secondhand information. It's like thirdhand information. And you don't even know if it's true or not. You weren't there. You've got no facts. You've got no evidence. And what's happening is now you couldn't even walk into a court of law and prove those things to be true. It's hearsay. Do you realize that's why in our nation, you can't even submit those things into evidence because you know what they'll say that any lawyer worth his salt, any attorney will, will, will literally stand up and say, objection, your honor, that's hearsay. And the, and, and the judge will slap his gavel down, say sustained and, and let that be stricken from the record. They'll look at the, even the court reporter and say, let that be stricken from the record. What was just said, why? There's no, there is no evidence to prove what you just said. It's called hearsay. It's called hearsay. And so what ends up happening is gossip, which is m- almost all the time hearsay, it's usually never somebody that knows for a fact because they were there. Now they start talking about it. But here's the question. What if it didn't happen? What if that thing did not take place? Did you ever think of that? What if you're saying something in in a gossip form that, you know, you thought was true because you heard someone else say it was true, but what if it wasn't true? What if now you're repeating a false thing, a false statement, a false report? You know what you're doing? You're bearing false witness against your brother or your sister. You're actually participating in lies about a person. I am now participating in lies about a person. And now I'm straight up sinning, just as gossip is, straight up sinning, because now I'm telling lies about people that I have no idea whether it's true or not. In fact, even if you did know it was true, think about this. Even if you did know something was true about someone, what is the point of telling someone else about it? I mean, literally, what's the point in telling someone else about it? You're not their judge, nor are you their jury. And there's actually... Only a very few people in the body of Christ that have the authority to make judgments on somebody else. Paul said we should judge those within the body. So it's not wrong to judge someone. I mean, it's not. We've taught, we've taught that it's wrong to judge other people. It's actually not wrong to judge people according to Scripture. All Jesus said was, judge not lest you be judged. What Jesus was teaching there. He said, with the same manner you judge others, that's the manner you'll be judged. So all Jesus was teaching was, if you engage in judging others, you better have a clean house because in the same manner that you judge others, you will also be judged. Then there's the, that's where we get the teaching out of, you know, why are we trying to get the speck out of somebody else's eye without first taking the moat out of our own eye? You know, The Bible does not teach you shouldn't judge other people. It's teaching that if you begin to be a person that judges others, you'll be judged yourself with the same harshness. But Paul taught the church. He said, I cannot, this is what Paul's actual teaching was. I cannot judge those that are outside of the church, but I can absolutely judge those that are inside the church. And so there are people that can bring judgment inside the church and Christ has empowered them to do it. But, you know, there's no reason. What you should really be doing, what you should really be doing for those that have have fallen or had mistakes happen in their life, even if you hear about it and you don't know personally, just begin to pray for them. Let's say, I'm going to give you a couple of, uh, I'm going to give you a couple of, um, I'm going to give you a couple of scenarios so that you know how to react in these situations. Let's say that you did hear something about someone. Man, so-and-so had this issue. They had this problem. Okay. Well, I don't know if they had it or not. I wasn't there. You know, I, I, I've got no evidence that it actually happened, but here's what I'm going to do. Instead of, instead of going and now telling 10 other people what I heard someone say, I'm just going to let that thing end with me. And then when I go to pray for that person, I'm going to pray that God, Lord, if it did happen, raise them back up again. 
Lord, if it did happen, forgive them, empower them, strengthen them to keep on doing what you've been, what you've called them to do and raise them back up and set them on their feet again. Don't let, if this mistake happened, Lord, don't let it be a destruction of their entire life or ministry or business. Don't, Lord, if this did happen, I pray you cover them in your power and don't allow this to destroy their entire future. Don't let this, don't let this mistake be a mistake that'll kill them forever. I mean, pray like that for people. Let gossip stop with you and let prayer start with you. Put that in the comment section. Gossip starts with me and prayer starts with me. Gossip stops with me, prayer starts with me. Gossip stops with me, prayer starts with me. I want you to put it in the comments, every person watching. Gossip stops with me and prayer starts with me. If I hear something about somebody, I want to pray for them. I want God to bless them and bring them back to where they were. I don't want them to be destroyed. What kind of a Christian feels better when other Christians are destroyed? What a stupid way to live. What a stupid, petty way to live. Well, thank God. It makes me look better that they're doing bad. That's how people really are thinking. Don't live like that. Gossip stops with me. Prayer starts with me. If I hear something about somebody that I don't even know whether or not it's true, I'm going to pray for them. Now, Let's get into the other half of this, and that is if something has been done that's a sin or an offense against you personally, against you personally. Now, I'm going to show you how to deal with that. You know that it's true because it was done to you. It was done to you. That's a whole different story. That's a whole different story. It's not hearsay. This is something that came against you from another brother or sister in Christ. Let me show you how to deal with that. Matthew chapter 18. Verses 15 through 17. Listen to what the Bible says. If your brother, that's a brother in Christ, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. So stop right there. That's Matthew 18, 15. Stop right there. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. That means you don't get on Facebook and write vaguely worded Facebook posts about it. You don't message nine other people and tell them about it. You don't get on the phone with your best friend and start talking and gossiping with them about it. What does the Bible say to do? Go to them alone and tell him his fault. Notice this. This is so vital. And almost no one does this. Almost nobody does this. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Don't bring other people into it. Don't bring other, just go. Be man enough, be woman enough that if somebody has done an offense against you or sinned against you, go and meet with them about it. Go and talk to them about it with the understanding that I have a love for this person. They're a brother or a sister in Christ and I don't want our relationship to be destroyed. I'm gonna go talk to them. Listen, and people hate conflict and the devil plays on that one fact that he knows people don't like conflict. So people are going to be wary of going to talk to somebody and confront them about the issue. But you can't be so weak in the body of Christ that you're not even willing to confront a brother and sister about an issue that has brought a sin against you, an offense against you. Go and deal with it. Get it out of the way. Don't let that tension build up and then stay there for 20 years and now you don't even talk to each other. Well, back in, let me tell you something. Back in 1989, she said some things to me that I thought were way out of line, way out of line. And so I've just steered clear of her ever since. That's stupid. It's not what the Bible says to do. It says, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Now go further. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother back. But if he does not listen, then here's where you get people involved. Take one or two other witnesses along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So you say, okay, so that there's not going to be, now let me show you this, so that there's not going to be a he said, she said about this, because that's the last thing you want. Well, I never said that. Yes, you did. No, I came and met with you at your house and you said that. No, I didn't say that. So that there's no confusion. I mean, God's using eternal wisdom here. After he's rejected what you said the first time when you met personally, the next time you go back, bring two or three witnesses 
with you. Take one or two brothers along. Uh, and then including you, that brings three. So that every, every, every word can be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. So that there's no, he said, she said, you were there and you were there. You heard me try to come to him in love and repent and, and get this thing together. And he refused and you heard what he said and you heard what he said. It's evidence. And the Bible says, and if he refuses to listen to them. So there's a third level of church government and judgment. If he refuses to listen to the witnesses in you, then go tell it to the church. Then you get your pastor involved. Then you get the church leadership involved. And the Bible says, and if he then refuses to listen to even the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector, basically a reprobate. Basically, okay, I've given you three opportunities with grace and mercy to get this thing right. You sinned against me. You've sinned against my life. I came to you personally in love, alone, without involving anybody else so that we could privately handle this. You rejected me. I brought back two, one or two witnesses with me so that we could deal with this as brothers in Christ or sisters in Christ. And you rejected them and me. Then I got the pastor involved and the church involved, spiritual leadership, and you rejected them. So now what the, the point that, that Christ is making here is if a person like that rejects their brother in Christ, rejects multiple brothers in Christ, then rejects their spiritual leadership, their pastor, their spiritual leaders in the church, it's a sign that their heart's not even right with God, that they will not walk in love. So just eject them because all they're going to do is cause more problems in the body of Christ. And the Bible says, treat them like a Gentile and tax collector, and which is to say, don't even eat with them. That's what the Bible teaches. Don't even eat with them, but always start with a personal, private conversation with that person. And it's always best to do it face-to-face -face because things, even in a text message, you can't read somebody's attitude or mindset or even their nature in a text. All you can do is read the words on the screen. Go to them personally and in love. But understand, if you're going to walk in impartation and power, the power of God, you have got to understand that all these things, it's very easy to do. You just remove those two killers from your life. I guarantee you, just by refusing those two things from your life, you'll keep a heart of honor. You'll guard your heart above all else and not let seeds uh, that will come and destroy your honor enter into your heart and take root. You guard this heart. You guard your ears and what you hear people saying about spiritual leadership. Don't allow that thing to become part of your life. Destroy it. Remove it from your atmosphere. And if you've got people that all they ever try to do is come and to spread those things into your spirit and put those things into your mind. Stop hanging out with those people and get around people of honor. Get around people that will honor their leadership. Get around people that will honor their pastor. Get around people that will honor uh, uh, the, those that love the Lord. You know, And those are, those are people that are seeking impartation as well. Seeking impartation from the power of God as well. And that's important. It's important to do that. I love you guys. I want to pray for every person that's watching today because I know for a fact God has a plan to bring impartation into every single one of your lives. And I know for a fact that the enemy will try to send people to destroy your honor, to destroy your internal honor so that you don't stand in the power of God, but you stay in that same place where God can't bless you. God can't use you. And you continue to just fall lower and lower because of two killers of honor and you don't operate in honor. And so I want, I want to deal with that today, and we're going to pray that every voice that's been sent by the enemy into your life to destroy the honor you have for men and women of God that are in your life, to stop you from receiving impartation, I'm praying that those voices will be cut off today in the mighty name of Jesus, that they'll be rearranged and moved out of your way. So Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for all of my friends that are watching today, every person that the enemy has tried to send against them voices of dishonor, voices that would try to steal their ability to honor men and women of God that would bring impartation and blessing into their life. Father, remove those voices in the mighty name of Jesus. Remove, get that out of their way. Let them walk in a place of supernatural honor in the Holy Ghost. 
Hallelujah. So that there would never be a moment where we cannot increase. There'll never be a moment where we cannot go higher in the things of God. Use us in 2020 to walk in divine honor by the power of the Holy Ghost, to walk in a place where we can continually increase. We'll never stop increasing. 2020 will be a year of divine impartation and violent harvests. We'll receive it in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you've not done so yet, before tomorrow morning, send us your prayer request of what we're believing for for 2020. Send us your vision. You can email it to info at miracleword.com. Info at miracleword.com. Send those requests, and we're going to pray for you tomorrow. We're going to teach a little bit. Carolyn will be back with me. We're going to teach, then we're going to pray and declare the best days we've ever seen are coming to pass in 2020. Doors are opening up. Opportunities are taking place, and we will make an impact on our generation before it's too late in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Listen, part of honor, sowing seeds. Sowing seeds, that's a part of honor. It's a part of your worship. Now, I want to encourage every one of you today to get a seed and sow it into the kingdom of God. Sow it today. Something that takes faith for you to release by honor, by faith, to sow that into the kingdom of God. Whether you're on Periscope, Facebook, or YouTube, you can go to MiracleWord.com and you can sow a seed on the website. If you like to use Cash App, it's MWGive. MWGive. You can use PayPal. That's info at MiracleWord.com. Or right in the comments section, hashtag donate. If you're on Periscope or Facebook, you can put hashtag donate. We appreciate you. Every person that sows a seed this month by faith, we're sending you the album, Why Are Christians Sick and Suffering and How You Can Be Free. That's four plus hours of teaching on how to be free from sickness and disease and how you can operate in the power of healing in your personal life as a believer and step out by faith and begin to see the sick healed through your own life in Jesus' name. So for every person standing with us this month that's partnering with us, that's sowing, we're going to send you that album in the mail absolutely as our, uh, our, our gift to tell you thank you for standing with us. Thank you for standing with this ministry. Thank you for helping us move forward and reap the harvest and see souls saved, lives changed by the miracle working power of God. So I want to take a moment and say thank you to every person that's sowing this month. We love you. Carolyn and I love you very much. We appreciate you jumping on the broadcast with us every single day. And uh, tomorrow's going to be powerful. Tomorrow, by the way, is our final broadcast, uh, live broadcast of this week. And then obviously Thanksgiving, we're not we're we're off for Thanksgiving and good and uh, Black Friday as well. Um, and then we have some things that we're going to make available to you for Black Friday and Cyber Monday uh, online as well to be a blessing to you guys. And if you're not part of our email list, you want to get on that because we're sending these uh, these things out, these offers that you can't get. Go to miracleword.com forward slash live, fill out the form and receive these emails. You'll get these kind of offers. Uh, more often than just on Black Friday and uh, Cyber Monday, because uh, we want to be a blessing to you. So do that, and when you do, I'm going to send you the free ebook uh, devotional, Praise, Laugh, Repeat, 40-day devotional. I love you guys so much and appreciate you. Thank you, Letty, Julie, oh, Alvria, God bless you, Nadia, Lynn Rodney. Love you guys. Pamela, have a great Thanksgiving. And then, of course, tomorrow is so important. I was just looking. Carolyn came in with me yesterday, and we printed out a bunch of, of you guys that have already sent them in. So we already have a stack of prayer requests, but I don't want to miss anybody. So if you don't, uh, if you have not done yet, yet, take today and do it, because we want to stand with you. Julie, we love you too. Samson, love you too. Bonnie, love you too. We love you guys. Tomorrow, not just the prayer service, but also... I'm going to play that prophecy from this last week at the meeting. It's going to be a great day. Have a powerful Tuesday. I love you guys, and I'll see you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.